It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing, environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org slash wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. This week, we released our 50th wartime diary. Next week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained, So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. Back in June, our whole team spent a day at the Jerusalem YMCA, recording what would become our season opener. By the way, if you haven't yet heard it, I really hope you do. In any event, at some point during that day, I was walking outside, in the garden, and I noticed a handmade sign taped to an electricity pole. Returning a loss, it said in messy black letters. A yad, a Torah pointer, has been found. And you can claim it by calling the following number. A Torah pointer? Who on earth loses a Torah pointer? You know, those usually silver sticks which help you keep your place while reading from a Torah scroll. In the YMCA's garden of all places. Always on the hunt for a good story? I had to find out. So I called the number. Hello. Hello. Hi, I saw your sign about the that you found the pointer at the YMCA. Yes. It's not mine, but I'm just calling to ask. Did did someone collect it? I hope so. Nobody collected it. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I I just saw your sign and I was hoping that someone did. So I wish you best of luck. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Thank you. Do you know anybody who 
I'll, I'll definitely tell people for sure. Okay. Thank well, you so much. Bye bye. So, first of all, here I am telling you in the most public way I can, if you by any chance lost a Torah pointer in Jerusalem last summer, it has been found. Contact us. Secondly, ever since that phone call, I and the rest of the Israel Story team have been calling numbers on random lost and found signs around the country. Because, you know, you never know. Hello, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, is that Noam? Hello. Hi, Batel. Hi, Sigal. Hello. Hi. Oh. Hey. Hello. Yes, uh, hi. Uh, I just seen your sign about a lost shoe. I saw the post about Bonita. Your dog. Did you post about a lost parrot named Kiki? About a gold necklace? A, a cat uh, small? Yes, cat small, yes. A dog, Shush? Your cat, Benny, who went missing? I'm calling about the ID that you lost. You posted about a missing suitcase? Did you find it? Did you ever find your shoe? I wanted to know if uh, you ended up finding it. Is the name of the dog... Russia? I'm just wondering what, what the status of the dog is. Is he dangerous or is he is he cute? Is that um, Yeah, I actually found it. No, we didn't find them. Someone took it. I found it. No, I didn't. Oh, thank you very, very much. We found them. <laughs> do you think, like, if somebody found the shoe, do you think they would keep it? No, at the interest, you know, it's only one shoe. How did you end up losing one? That's a great question. <laughs> it's because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's very nice from you. You call me. Okay. Well, good luck. I hope I hope somebody does call and uh, and claim it. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye, Ina. This is bye bye. Give Bonita a hug for me. Hey, I'm Ishi Harman, and this is Israel's story. Israel's story is brought to you by Tablet Magazine and the Jerusalem Foundation. Our episode today, Lost and Found, Part 2. Last time, you'll recall, we told the story of how Steve Gray and Anat Ha'el of Kibbutz Hanaton in the Lower Galilee found, then nearly lost, and then found a way to save a 2,000-year-old mikveh, or Jewish purification bath. And our story today also goes back and forth between losing and finding and finding and losing. And ironically, it too is about a core Jewish ritual. Just, well, from a completely different direction and perspective. But above all, it's the story of this guy. So my name is Tamir Levy from Israel. I'm married. I work in a construction uh, company. We do uh, mostly drywall, paintings. Tamir's tale is an unusual one. And we've been thinking for many, many months about how best to tell it. But before we jump in, a warning. This story contains content about sex and sexuality and does describe sexual experiences in detailed enough a manner that might make some of you feel uncomfortable. It also includes some curse words, which we didn't bleep out. Mainly, however, it addresses religious taboos and pushes the boundaries of what many might find acceptable within Jewish tradition. So given all that, if you think you might want to sit this one out, I encourage you to check out any of our 71 previous episodes, 
and rejoin us next time. For all of you who have decided to stay, here's Yoshi Fields with Act One. The first cut is the deepest. Tamir means tall in Hebrew, which he is. He's 38 and looks more or less like what you'd expect from a guy who works in construction. Calloused hands, pecs that bulge through his t-shirt, a large tattoo on his arm. All in all, a picture of quote-unquote manliness. We're sitting in his bedroom, mostly because it's the quietest room in his house. But it also seems fitting, given the intimate nature of our conversation. See, Tamir wants to share something pretty private. I'm a little bit like shy about it. Brings a little bit uh, like shame, but I think, no, I should be the opposite. I should be proud of it, you know? It's a secret, and we'll get to it in just a bit. But for now, I'll just say that when it comes to matters of masculinity, Tamir has always struggled. Ever since he started being sexually active, he's felt he has a problem. It's like a vicious circle, you know, when you start to have a sexual encounter and then suddenly things doesn't really begin to work down there. And then instead of being connected to your partner, you are connected to your anxiety. Like, how do I now pass this test or how do I pass this uh, moment without, like, total failure? Tamir has suffered from erectile dysfunction for as long as he can remember. It's affected his sex life, his relationships, and his self-esteem. With my first long-time partner... She eventually she got frustrated, you know. She wasn't like criticizing me, but she was. Uh, she did express her frustration. How did how did that feel? When it happened, and um, when when no, this is very intimate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like I really want the ground to bury me. I want to disappear. A feeling of maybe even uh, self hatred, self anger. Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I man enough? The only thing that frightened and troubled Tamir more than the condition itself was the thought of other people knowing about it. So he kept silent. When he'd meet up with his buddies, they'd often talk about sex, how great it was, how much they loved it. Tamir would usually smile or crack a joke. Sometimes he'd lie. He remembers this one time when his friends got together the day after he'd gone out on a date They wanted to hear all about it, and when Tamir said that the girl had spent the night, which was true, by the way, they began slapping him on the back and congratulating him. Wow, wow, you did good this night, right? And it's like, yeah, you won't believe, wow, it was amazing, or like, three times, wow, three times, yeah, you know? It's like, I'm lying, you know? But no way I will admit it. (laughs) For some times, some period, it was like the hardest feeling I had. It's like I was feeling as if I would have my uh, penis feeling good, it's like it will solve all my problems in life. Then in 2011, at the age of 27, Tamir met Noah Navo, a 28-year-old psychology student. From the first moment I saw her, there was like an aura around her, this energy that really, ding, I was like spot on. Noah felt a similar click. He's just a person that completes me. And with Noah, things seemed to get better. In fact, after two years, they got married. And a few months after that, Noah was pregnant. Now, this story is ultimately about how Tamir has tried to solve his issues with masculinity. But that journey actually started off with a totally different question. One day, about six months into the pregnancy, Tamir and Noah, who had found out that they were expecting a baby boy, were hanging out with Tamir's brother when he randomly asked... Are you going to circumcise your son? At first, the question, 
are you going to circumcise your son? Seemed strange. I mean, the answer was obvious. Yeah, I guess. Why not? Yeah, I guess. Everybody's circumcised. I'm circumcised. I want him to be like me, you know? Noah agreed. Why wouldn't I circumcise him? I mean, everyone does it. What? Are we special? What are we? Hippies from Pardeshana? You just do it, and that's it. Tamir's brother explained that he was simply asking because he had just read an article about the potentially negative consequences of circumcision. Tamir and Noah nodded, and the conversation then moved on. But Tamir... He couldn't. His brother's questions surprised him, rattled him even, since he had never even considered it. After all, growing up in Israel, circumcising a child was basically a non-issue. He wasn't even aware of the debate surrounding the practice. Later that night, once Noah had fallen asleep, he started poking around online. Simple question, simple answer. Circumcision, yes or no? There were many opinions. Some sounded familiar to him. Definitely yes. Why is that? The evidence is very strongly in favour. Minor risks, but enormous benefits. And really, for parents, it's a no-brainer these days. It's our national identity. It's the thing that still binds most of our, you know, us as a people. If you were to say, I had to move off to a desert island and I could only bring one mitzvah with me, I would say, this is the mitzvah which I think needs to come with. And then there were points he'd never heard before. Why would you want to demand that you have a right to cut off part of your baby's body? I genuinely love my foreskin. This is a completely unnecessary operation. As it clicked on, Tamir found himself ping-ponging between two very different camps. Ask the German, ask the Danish, ask the Brazilian, ask the Japanese, ask in all over the world, ask a doctor, do you think cutting off a foreskin is good? And he said, what are you talking about? It's nonsense. Circumcision does result in a small reduction in the risk of urinary tract infections and also a small reduction in the risk of future STD transmission. Yeah, people lose their dicks. A lot of kids every year. Do you know children die from that? You hear the screams and your reptilian brain says, oh, something is terribly wrong and your heart says, I've got to do something about it. Aesthetic preferences are one thing. Women prefer a circumcised penis. Total baloney. Painful. It's harmful. Ancient, ridiculous ritual. Tamir shot his computer and lay awake in bed. All those angry, yelling voices were bouncing around his head. Were the supposed health benefits worth it? Was it really just a barbaric, ancient custom? But then he immediately thought about his father, and his father, and his father, and all the countless generations of Jews who had come before them all of whom had performed this holy ritual. As he tossed and turned and weighed the pros and cons, Tamir kept having a specific vision. I imagine like my son going to the toilets, but then go a little bit on the side, the shame of his penis is not like everyone else. And it kind of floated my own feelings, my own memories when I feel like embarrassed or shameful or feeling bad about myself or about my body. Do I really want to do it to my son? On August 16th, 2014, that question stopped being hypothetical. Tamir stood in a hospital delivery room. Noah lay exhausted on a bed. And in her arms was the most beautiful and perfect baby boy Tamir had ever seen. I looked at it, and suddenly it felt so bizarre. I don't want to hurt my son. Just a newborn baby, so small, so fragile. I mean, the most natural thing is you want to protect it. And almost at once, his anguish, to cut or not to cut, seemed to dissipate. No way I'm going to do it. I won't let anyone touch my baby's penis with a knife. 
Tamir had made up his mind. Now all he had to do was break the news to Noah. See, the previous months had been somewhat stressful for her. The pregnancy hadn't been easy, and Tamir had done his best to shield her from any unnecessary anxiety. So he'd kept his thoughts about circumcision, his inner turmoil, all to himself. But all of a sudden, it spilled out of him. That's the part where I said to my wife, you know, we thought about the circumcision. Let's not do it. You know, I said to her, let's not do it. I think it's wrong. She was like, what? Helen, shock. Totally. Totally shocked. What do you mean not to do it? Where is this coming from? Why are you all of a sudden saying this to me? I had just given birth. I was in total euphoria, but instead of enjoying it, I'm busy with his thoughts about to cut or not to cut. And I was really mad at him. Noah's shock was understandable. Pretty much all Jewish men in Israel, from the ultra-Orthodox through the religious and traditional, all the way to the completely secular, get circumcised. The ministries of health and religious affairs don't release official statistics on the matter, but according to most estimates, something like 99% of Jewish baby boys in Israel are circumcised, making it, by a very wide margin, the most observed Jewish ritual. There's an emotional part that I can't... Well, i never spoken about it this way. Look... This is rooted in us. It's in our DNA. It's something transgenerational. Breaking something like that is breaking a tradition. And who breaks a tradition like that? Traditionally, the bris, the circumcision, occurs on the eighth day. So if Tamir was going to convince Noah, it had to happen fast. He came to me with a lot of reading materials. All kinds of websites and testimonials. It was a lot for her to take in all at once. We had some hard days when we came back home. But the more Noah read, the more she too began to doubt whether circumcision was the right path for them. And then the debate started to expand to other parts of the family. To my parents, to Tamir's parents. Noah's parents, though not religious, were alarmed. It's their first grandchild. My grandfather is a Holocaust survivor, so there's that baggage weighing on us too. My dad said, why does this child need to suffer because of your weird decision? My mom too, she just said, why? Why do this? Like really, let it go, Noah, let it go. On the other side of the family, Tamir's father, a traditional Yemenite Jew, pleaded with him again and again to change his mind. For him, it was also important in a religious way. Yeah, he's more, he's more traditional. But Tamir stood his ground. Judaism has so many things to offer. There's so much wisdom and, and uh, spirituality about it. But I really don't think that in terms of what defines you as a Jewish, like the tip of your penis won't define you if you are Jewish or not. Tamir's dad was very angry at us. <laughs> <laughs> Even called my parents to talk to them. It was high drama, lots of yelling and crying. As is often the case, however, the more his family pushed back, the more certain Tamir felt about his decision. Listen, it won't happen. I won't let it happen. <laughs> no matter what, if I need, I will take my son and uh, run away with him. And then the fateful eighth day finally arrived. The day in which family and friends would normally gather together, enjoy a smorgasbord of food, and watch as the baby boy takes on the covenant with God and receives his name. But in the Levy household, all was quiet. 
The eighth day came, and this was like the climax in a way. Yeah, it was in the living room, and there was like a small crib there. The new parents just stood there, admiring their creation and smiling as they listened to the steady breaths of their sleeping baby. I remember it was a pretty day, like blue skies and perfect morning. And we just looked at him and said, look how precious little thing this is. The discussion, the debate, the drama, it was all over now. It was clear to both of them that there was no way anyone was going to come perform a circumcision. Not on that day, and not on any other day either. It's like kind of a moment of realization. I won't go quite a piece of my child's genitalia just because I'm scared of being different. It just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, it was just felt like a true thing, you know, in a way. We didn't fall in the trap. We didn't fall for the doing what everything else thinks it's right. We did what is right for us. And it kind of was a moment of acknowledging that. There were times over the next couple of years when they were confronted by the decision they had made that day. When they'd go to the beach, for example, they were hesitant to have their baby walk around naked, fearing that some tactless onlooker would make an unkind remark. But the truth is that they never encountered any unpleasantness. If anything, they were pleasantly surprised. Tamir's father, though obviously not thrilled about the situation, basically swept it under the rug, loving his grandchild fully despite his foreskin. And Noah's parents? They actually made a 180 on the issue and actively supported their daughter and son-in-law's choice. With that, Tamir thought his phallic crusade was over. I managed to not circumcise my son, and now we can leave it behind, you know? I continue with my life. I didn't deal with that at all. We'll be right back. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now, back to our episode. We're hearing the story of Tamir and Noah Levy from Zichron Yaakov, who back in 2014 decided not to circumcise their son. But that is most definitely not where the story ends. Okay, back to Yoshi. Shortly after the birth of his son, Tamir began experiencing issues with his masculinity all over again. Things in the bedroom were not going well. I felt like my soul wants it, my heart wants to have, you know, unite with my wife and to have sex, but my penis betrays me. It just becoming numb. All the old and painfully familiar questions resurfaced. Why don't you perform well? Why don't you do what I want you to do? I was like really trying to push it. Like you have to do it, you have to do this. Like you try to climb a mountain and it's very difficult and it's like go up and it's like struggle. It's like, no, you have to try harder and stronger and continue and it's, uh, eventually it doesn't work. The harder you try, the, the harder it falls. This time around, it was even worse than before. I could really literally feel like I'm losing, losing sensitivity. 
And it's like I had a sense that something cannot be like that. I mean, I'm still young. I'm 33 years old. Did you ever go to a doctor? Uh, no. No, I didn't go to a doctor. How come? I guess it's embarrassing. It's simply embarrassing because men are expected to always want to have sex and always perform. And because nobody speaks about it, actually, so we are sure that we are the only ones that actually it happens. Everybody else are performing really good and I'm the only failure, you know, I'm the only one who fails. So it's a lot about, yeah, the self-image, what I think about myself. Unlike with previous partners, Tamir was, thankfully, able to talk with Noah about it. But deep down, he still felt ashamed. And then in the middle of it all, and somewhat counterintuitively, Noah got pregnant again. They had another boy on the way. This time, Tamir had no qualms. It was clear that their second son wouldn't be circumcised either. But that got him thinking, for the very first time, about his own circumcision. Okay, that's really great. I, uh, I didn't circumcise my children. I'm really proud of it. But what about me? Could it be, he began to wonder, that that was the root of his issues? It was an uneasy thought, and he quickly pushed it away. After all, there wasn't much he could do about the matter. But like an annoying jingle, that question kept popping up in his thoughts again and again. I remember lying in my bed. I could not uh, deny it anymore, you know? Suddenly, I came into this picture. All those things that I've learned about circumcision actually apply on me, because I got circumcised. What does it mean? Does it mean that I have a damaged penis? So one night, he once again opened up his laptop and went online. Bold claims started jumping out at him from the screen. When you inflict that kind of pain on the baby, that trauma lasts a lifetime. It's actually the foreskin that is the male's main erogenous zone. And foreshortening it or getting rid of it definitely affects the male's sexual sensation. In fact, he learned that one of the early reasons for circumcision in Western culture was an attempt to stop adolescent boys from masturbating. Some historians argue that it was only much later that doctors started emphasizing health benefits. And while the science is out on whether or not circumcision affects sexual function, some researchers claim that given its many nerve endings, the foreskin is a very important part in terms of increased sexual pleasure. They argue that cutting the foreskin off can also lead to side effects, like, wait for it, erectile dysfunction. What the fuck? What? what? I mean, maybe, okay, not all, but maybe a big part of this um, journey of pain is due to the fact that I have um, a cut penis. Maybe if I had a whole penis, I would feel whole more. I would feel more enjoyment, easier to connect and to bond with a partner. Maybe, he thought, if his foreskin hadn't been removed, he never would have had these problems. Of course, just like most issues around circumcision, there was a lot of disagreement. I think there are a lot of people who are part of the anti-circumcision movement that are male who are missing something in their life when it comes to sex. And they desperately think that what they don't have in their sexual experience comes from their lack of foreskin. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that that's necessarily the case. Tamir didn't know whether this was just a desperate way of explaining his insecurities, but he kept on reading. You cut off a very important part of the penis. The foreskin, it is a... A sensory organ, more or less. It rendered a structure that was meant to have moving parts um, to being just uh, a static um, structure. The most frustrating thing of all was that he'd never know. I mean, there was no control group. 
You can't know the feeling of a body part you don't have, right? So was he simply stuck with a faulty organ? Would he forever be haunted by ifs and what could have beens? I was like lying in the bed feeling kind of uh, really sad and hurt about this. And then suddenly like a voice, a small voice in my head popped up and said, but wait, maybe, maybe there's something to do, you know, maybe we can fix it. You know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fix-it guy. Literally, he works in construction after all. He walks around all day with a tool belt. I like to take something which is broken and to fix it. So I thought, okay, maybe we can do something about it. So he went back to Google. It wasn't your average search. He didn't even know what to type in. Okay, what should I write in Google? So I start to write like foreskin, hmm, fix, or something like that. And suddenly foreskin restoration comes up as the suggestions of search. So I click on it. And then I went to a website about foreskin restoration. And then suddenly, like, immediately, uh, there's, like, a picture of a penis flashing out from the screen. It's like, oh, my God, I turned my head and I changed, uh, you know, the, the tab. It's like, oh, whoa, it's too much. I cannot, uh, uh, yeah, I was feeling a little bit disgusted with it. I never liked to look at penises. But sure enough, a few minutes later, he was back on that page. I was really curious. The images flashing at him were a set of pictures of the same penis taken from the same angle over multiple years. And he could see the foreskin was growing, little by little, until, in the final few photos, it basically covered the tip of the flaccid penis. The process, he read, was called foreskin restoration and could take about 10 years to complete. In a way, it's like science fiction, you know, as if somebody lost his hand and now he grows a new hand, you know. <laughs> what the fuck? What <laughs> is it possible? It's like, what is this? Like a, it's a kind of Frankenstein thing, you know. <laughs> it was pretty close. While foreskin restoration would not be able to recreate Tamir's original foreskin, it would be able to recover some of its original functions. So basically, regrowing your foreskin means that you, by applying tension on the skin, the skin actually responds that he needs to uh, duplicate his cells. It's a process called mitosis. That's the medical uh, way to say it. And uh, actually, the skin grows. It's kind of similar to what happens to the earlobes of people who use a gauge. The site Tamir visited also had a section of testimonials. And reading through them, he discovered that many men who had succeeded in the process spoke about improved sexual pleasure, a general feeling of wholeness, and of a sense that they had reclaimed something that had been taken away from them. But then again, looking at the pictures and thinking about 10 years of tugging, Tamir had his doubts. It's like a very kinky thing, you know? Um, and I'm not a very kinky person. And if choosing not to circumcise his son was seen by many as an affront to his Jewish heritage, regrowing his own foreskin? I mean, that was a whole other level of blasphemy. Surprisingly, Tamir discovered it wasn't a new one. The restoration process had first surfaced in the Hellenistic period. And who was doing it back then? Jewish men attempting to integrate into mainstream society by stretching their skin with copper weights. They are considered as like uh, traitors. So some people might see me as a traitor. But after so many years of feeling inadequate, of feeling not good enough, here, for the first time, was an actionable solution right in front of his eyes. The fact that it's possible to fix it, it gives hope, it gives uh, a goal, it gives uh, a horizon. After about a month of nightly reading sessions, he sheepishly approached his wife and shared his findings. She didn't really, I guess, take it very seriously at the beginning. Okay, whatever, you know. 
<laughs> it's like, okay, do your thing, you know, it's a man's thing, you know, they like to deal with their penis all the time, so I guess. <laughs> I thought it was just very Sisyphean, you know. Wow. I said, wow, that's a project. But like, if that's what's going to make you feel good, great, go for it. And so, with his wife's sort of blessing, he continued to entertain the idea. I thought about it a lot during the the next month. I don't have a lot of spare time, but when I did have, so I immediately like went to those websites. I was mapping the whole procedure. I wanted to understand how it works from the beginning until the end. After mulling it over from every possible direction, Tamir decided he was going to go for it. And then the second step was, okay, how do I start? He quickly discovered that the regrowing methods hadn't made a lot of headway since the time of those Hellenistic Jews. There were many different contraptions. Some you could make on your own, some you could buy online, but all of them essentially offered glorified ways to stretch the skin. It's recommended, he read, to wear the contraption all day, six to seven days a week. There's the tapeless conical tugger, TLCX, the dual tension restorer, DTR, and a bunch of others, each with their own acronym. Tamir settled on... T-tape? T-tape? T-tape. It's actually, you take a medical tape, and, uh, Basically, you fold a piece of tape into the letter T, hence the name. Then you attach the sticky part of the tape to your foreskin and the non-sticky part to a strap. You then tie the tugging strap around one of your thighs or even to your shoulder and, well, let the stretching begin. Tamir nervously walked into a local art supply store to get the T-tape essentials. Tape, cardboard, and rope. The seller, she asked, uh, what do you want to do with it so maybe I can help you? It's like, oh no, it's something for my son, you know, a school project. Uh, I don't know exactly. My wife, she just sent me like the uh, list. Yeah, for sure. I didn't say, uh, oh, I needed to tug my penis and to regrow my foreskin. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so I bought everything that's needed and I came back home and like really excited. You know, it's like I've been waiting for that moment a long time. I remember the first day I did it. It's funny, it was actually in the eve of Yom Kippur. He chose this day, not because of its religious significance, but simply because he had the day off and could concentrate on the delicate task at hand. It took a few tries, but eventually he managed to attach the contraption he had made. He tensed and felt the tug. It was very comfortable, actually. Tamir then pulled up his jeans and looked in the mirror. Everything seemed totally normal. He stepped outside as the sun was about to set, his family was waiting for him. You know, there's a tradition also in Yom Kippur because there's no cars and everything. So everybody go outside and uh, we went to visit friends, visit family, you know. Uh, Zichon is a small place. And each time they ran into someone, Tamir grew anxious. Did they know? Could they tell? But obviously, no one could. And then the, the best part was when I... <laughs> I went to visit my father in the synagogue. And I go inside the synagogue with my kippah on the head and I'm thinking... Yeah, you know, I'm in the synagogue and I'm tugging my penis to regrow my foreskin due to the circumcision I went through, you know? He stood next to his father, the soulful prayers of the Kol Nidre service surrounding him. Prayers of repentance and prayers promising to do better. Tamir smiled. In a way, he couldn't have timed the start of his regrowing journey any better. It made me reflect in a way about Judaism and tradition. I didn't feel any anger about the fact that I was circumcised in a way. It's like I could understand why it has been done and I have a lot of respect for the reasons and the tradition. So there was acceptance and there was like, yeah, you know, so I guess forgiveness. 
I mean, it's obvious for me what is right for me and what I should do now. And I'm now looking forward and I kind of uh, accept what happened. I'm very happy with my choices. I'm starting something new. I'm starting to fix myself. This past Yom Kippur marked five years since Tamir started regrowing his foreskin. Every morning, before getting dressed and making his morning coffee, he religiously puts on his contraption. That's his secret. That's why we're in his bedroom. Do you want to see? you want to show you? I don't mind. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We stand there, strangers just a few hours earlier, as Tamir pulls down his pants and begins putting on the regrowing contraption. Show you. Push the skin forward. Okay. So far, things are going as planned. As he proudly points out, he has regrown his foreskin almost up to the tip of his penis. Make a small adjustment, and then I close the gripper. Now it is gripped. Okay. And that doesn't that doesn't hurt. Not at all. No, it actually feels nice. And he reports. The process has made a difference. I regained a lot of sensitivity. Today, I have the best sex of my life. It's the same melody, okay? It's the same song. It's the same notes, but it's so much more rich. Do you feel any difference? (laughs) It's a complicated answer because it's not just the physical part of it. It's not just the sensation, which I think is more significant for him. It's more than that. It's the issue of something in his energy. It's like he has a new confidence in his masculinity. With this process, with this tugging and everything, it's like being in a couple therapy with my penis, you know? Because I had a lot of anger on my penis or my masculinity. He spends a lot of time thinking about the origin of all that anger about the societal expectations he had internalized for so many years. Bigger, faster, stronger, you know, all this. And there's no place for men to be feeling weak or feeling uh, sad or feeling uh, failure. After years of shame, frustration, secrecy, and late-night Googling, Tamir's developed a new relationship with himself, a more tender one. He's less angry and more compassionate. When I finish my session of tagging in the end of the day, so I put like a lotion or coconut cream or something like that to give uh, like vitamins for the skin and to make it also more stretchable and more flexible. So you caress, you know, you caress your partner. Nearly a decade ago, Tamir's brother's innocent question about circumcision sent Tamir down a rabbit hole he didn't even really know existed. A rabbit hole that led to two uncircumcised sons, an altered anatomy, and newfound confidence. I speak about it with my children, about circumcision, because they look at my penis and they say, hey, yours is different. And I say, yeah, because, you know, when I was a baby, somebody came and cut a piece of it, but we decided that nobody would come and cut your penis. And what do they say in response to that? They say, cool, great. I say, yeah, yeah. I asked, would you like to have some similar to mine? Do you want somebody to come and cut your penis? And he was like, oh, no, not at all, you know. As I pack up my things to leave, 
And after talking nonstop for several hours, Tamir suddenly gets very quiet. I figure he's wondering what people might think now that his secret will be out in the open. Then, after a while, a big smile appears on his face. It's funny because if I go back to what I said before, it's like I want my son to have the same penis like mine. So now I want me to have the same penis like my son. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Yoshi Fields. Last week, five months after our day at the YMCA, I decided to check in with the Torah pointer lady, hoping to hear some good news. Shalom. Hi, I saw a sign um, that you had found a Yad outside of the YMCA a few months ago. Ken, it, I did. Yeah, I had called you at the time to ask just because I, I, I found that interesting. Did anyone ever claim it? No, nobody did. So you still have it? I do. Nobody called. Oh, <laughs> so what are you planning on doing with it? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to ask my rabbi what to do with it. Okay, well, good luck. I hope, I hope somebody does call and, uh, and claim it. I did too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Zev Levi scored and sound designed this episode with music from Blue Dot Sessions. Sela Weissblum mixed it all up. Thanks to our dubber, Nomi Schneider, and to Rav Chaim Leiter, Rani Kasher, Yotam Gordon, Eric Cunningham, Tyler Drodes, Dror Peretz, Omri Cohen, Judah Kaufman, Joel Shupak, Yoav Orot, Federica Sasso, Tomer Nisim, Wayne Hoffman, Esther Werdiger, Sheila Lambert, Erica Frederick, Jeff Fagan, Joy Levitt. You can catch up on all our past episodes on our site, israelstory.org, or by searching for Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all under Israel Story. Lastly, if you're interested in sponsoring episodes of Israel Story, email us at sponsor at israelstory.org. Our staff includes Yochai Meital, Zev Levi, Yoshi Fields, Skyler Inman, Nomi Schneider, Adina Karpuch, Eli Blyer, Sharon Rapaport, and Rotem Tzin. Sonia Eppelbaum, Laura Kapelyushnik, Tanya Huyard, and Matthew Littman are wonderful production interns. Jeff Umbro and Jesse Adler from The Podglomerate are our marketing team. I'm Mishi Harman, and we'll be back next time with a brand new and more PG Israel Story episode. So, till then, Shalom Shalom, and Yalla Bye! מתי בכלל קיבלתי את עצמי? מתי למדתי או הקשבתי, רק הזנחתי את עצמי? כמה התגוננתי, התלוננתי, התחשבנתי הסתכלתי במראה והתעצבנתי אובססיבי לפגמים שבי תמיד רואה את השלדים, את הצדדים הלא טובים שבי חלומות מפוספסים, רגשות מסוכסכים גדלנו דור של מתוסבכים, לא יפים, לא מוצלחים ולמה מבפנים אני לא מרגיש טוב? שאני עזוי ואני דפוק, אני לא מספיק טוב אף פעם לא רגוע, אף פעם אין לי נחת אף פעם לא עוצר ומקבל את עצמי, ככה
שלנו באמוק של דפיקות, דרמות של בדידות או טראומות מילדות, סוחבים על עצמנו הרבה יותר ממה שהלב דורש, וכשהכול קורס, האגו-אוף דורס שרק קורס לנו. דרכים נותרו מסובכות, כשאני כל הזמן נכנע לבריחות והנחות, הלילות הארוכים, השתיקות המביכות, אני אוהב, אני שונא, אני דבר והיפוכו, כשצריך לשתוק צורח, כשצריך לפרוק שותק, הוא מתגונן כמו דפקט חסר ביטחון ולא מתאפק, מי ששלם עם עצמו לא חייב להיות צודק, ואדם צועק את שחסר לו, לא חסר לו, לא צועק, לא דואג ולא לועג לסובבים אותו. מקיף עצמו באנשים שאוהבים אותו, לא נפגע מכל מילה ולא קונה כל הבטחה, לא מונע מחוסר ביטחון או השלכה. ולהיות מישהו אחר, מגיע לי להיות שלו, מגיע לי יותר. לא להתפשר על קשר, לא להיות תמיד זה שלוקח רק כל הלב ואף פעם לא משחרר. כל אחד והבריחה שלו, ואני נרקומן של מבוכה, ליצן ללא מנוחה, שליטש את התבוסה, חידש את החולשה, קידש את הבושה, והפך את הקומפורט זון לממלכה שלו. מה אם לא אגשים את אותו חלום נשגב, ואולי כולם מסתלבטים עליי, מאחורי הגב, שאני לא מספיק חכם, לא מספיק יפה, לא מספיק מבין, לא מגניב ולא בלב העניינים. אולי העושר הוא בחירה, ורק אתה מחליט מה טוב מראה, את גודל הצרה, לצאת מעבדות לחירות ולהסיר את הגזירה, כי יש ברירה. כי יש ברירה. אני מסרב לחזור ללופ הזה, לאותו מבוי סתום, זה לא היעד, זה הדרך, יש לי דלק, יש כיוון. כבר לא חולם להיות המלך, לא חולם להיות כלום, רק להיות עצמי. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.